Let's pray. Father, we thank you. You're awesome. We just pray you inspire us, you challenge us, you make us more like Jesus. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. We pray for a God encounter this morning with you, that you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a story about a guy named Fred and a girl named Martha. And uh, Fred asked Martha out to a movie and she accepts. They have a good time. A few nights later they go out to dinner and uh, they really enjoy themselves. They see each other regularly and pretty soon, you know, they're a couple. And then one evening they're driving home and a thought occurs to Martha. Without thinking she says out loud, do you realise that as of tonight... We've been seeing each other for exactly six months. And then there's silence in the car. To Martha, it's loud silence. She thinks, I wonder if it bothers him that I said that. Maybe he's feeling confined by our relationship. Maybe he thinks I'm trying to push him into some kind of obligation he doesn't want to think of. And Fred's thinking, gosh, six months. And Martha's thinking, but hey, I'm not so sure I want this kind of relationship either, you know. Sometimes I wish I had a bit more space, that we had more time, you know, to, to myself. Do I want to keep going towards this steady relationship? I mean, where are we going, you know? I mean, are we heading towards marriage, children? Is this a lifetime together? Do I want that kind of commitment? Do I really know this person? And Fred's thinking, so that means, let's see. February we started going out. That was right after I had the car serviced. Whoa, it's due for another service. Look at that odometer. And Martha's thinking, he's upset. I can see it on his face. Maybe I'm reading this completely wrong. Maybe he wants more from the relationship. Maybe he wants commitment. Maybe he sensed that even before I was sensing it that I had reservations. I bet that's it. I bet that's why he's reluctant to say anything. He's... He's afraid of being rejected. And friends thinking, I'm going to have the deal to look at the transmission. They said they fixed it last time, but it still ain't shifted right. They're lousy so-and-sos, you know, them and their warranties. I paid them 600 bucks to fix that thing. And Martha's thinking, he's looking angry now. I don't blame him. I'd be angry too. I feel so guilty putting him through this. How can I? I'm just, but I'm just not sure. Fred's thinking, they'll probably say it's their 90-day warranty anyway. You know, that's how it works. Martha's thinking, maybe I'm too idealistic, waiting for a knight to come riding up on his white horse. Well, I'm sitting next to a perfectly good man, a person I enjoy being with, a person I truly care about, a person who seems to truly care about me, a person who's in pain because of my self-centred, schoolgirl romantic fantasies about my knight in shining armour. And Fred's thinking, warranty? They want Warranty? I'll give them warranty. (laughs) Fred, Martha says out loud. What? Says Fred, startled. Please don't torture yourself like this, she says, her eyes beginning to brim with tears. Maybe I should never have... Oh dear, I feel so... And she breaks down to shop sobbing. What? Says Fred. (laughs) I'm such a fool, Martha sobs. I mean, I know there's no night... I know that. It's silly. There's no knight. There's no horse. (laughs) 
There's no horse, says Fred. You think I'm a fool, don't you, Martha says. No, says Fred, glad to know the answer to at least one question. It's just that I need some time, Martha says. There's a pause while Fred thinks as fast as he can, trying to come up with a safe response. Finally comes up with one he thinks might work. Yes, he says. Martha, deeply moved, touches his hand. Oh, Fred, do you really feel that way, she says. What way, said Fred? That way about time, said Martha. Oh, oh, yes, yes. Martha gazes into his eyes. Fred becomes nervous, wondering if there are any more horse illustrations coming up. (laughs) Thank you, Fred, she says. Thank you, says Fred. He takes her home and she lies in a bed, conflicted, tortured soul, weeping till dawn. Fred goes home, opens a pack of Doritos, turns on a basketball game. Something in his mind tells him something significant was going on. But he's pretty sure he has no idea what it was. The next day, Martha calls two of her closest friends. They talk for six straight hours, painstakingly taking apart every moment of the conversation. They discuss the subject on and on for weeks, months, never reaching any definite conclusion. Meanwhile, Fred, while playing squash one day with a friend of his, says, Norm, does Martha own a horse? That's the difference between men and women. (laughs) We do our Love Actually series this week, and next week have Pastor Dale, who will share some amazing insights. But I want to just briefly talk about relationships and what real love is. I had a friend of mine who listened to sailing, and he compares it to sailing. He says, you know, sometimes things go smoothly. Sometimes they go really swell. Other times you're trying to survive the storm. And we live in a world that tells us through the songs and through the media and through movies, you know, this is what love is. As I thought about this, I thought there must be about a billion songs literally out there in every language that gives us some sort of definition of love. You can't turn on a movie, you know. I mean, I was watching Lethal Weapon 4 the other day. Well, I've got to say trying to. If I watch something like that, I've got to watch it when no one else is in the house because i got too many women in the house. <laughs> so like, you know, homey Ollie from work, cool, I've got 15 minutes. So I watched it in like 10-minute lots. And there's a love scene in Le- Le- you know, Lethal Weapon 4. How does that work? This is a guy flick. But it's everywhere, isn't it? Telling us what love is. You know, we're told that love is that emotion, that feeling that you have for someone, that you fall in and out of love, just like you fall in and out of a ditch. But none of these really tell us what love is. Because love is not about feelings and emotions, love is about choice. Love is about an act of your will. Love doesn't choose you, you choose love. If we go by the world system, then love is something that comes and goes. But no, it's really the emotion and the feeling of love 
comes and goes. Actual love is a choice that we act upon. We either choose to love or we don't. You don't fall into love, you choose love. Probably the best illustration I could think of was um, like a parent with a child. You love your child. So 2 o'clock in the morning, you will go to your child who has woken up with a nightmare or maybe isn't well. And if it happens again at 2.30, then you'll do the same thing. If it happens at 3 o'clock and 4 o'clock, you'll go and do it. Now, if you're going by your emotions, I don't know about you, but 3 o'clock in the morning, my emotions are not exactly all warm and gushy. They're like, I want to go to sleep. But you get up and you sit with your child and you comfort them and you care for them because you love them. Love's a choice. It's an act of your will. part of marriage counselling and so on, you sort of do some research as to why marriages fall apart. And I find that there's two main things that marriages break up over. One is finances and, or financial pressure and two is communication. Now finance is a whole area that is sort of outside of what we're talking about. But communication, if you can get communication right, you can actually fix the, fix the financial one. So really it's about communication. In fact, 87% of people will say at the time of their divorce, we stopped talking. Communication is vital. And so I thought I'd maybe share with you a couple of tips on how to do effective communication. Now understand I don't have these down pat. These are what I desire to be. This is how I would like to be, but I'm still working on it. Because the funny thing about communication is it comes out of relationship. And we were made for relationship. That's how God wired us. That's why love is a part of our world. That's why we spend so much time watching soppy movies and listening to soppy songs and and all that stuff. It's because we desire to be loved. We desire relationship. Because that's how we were wired. That's why God made us, for relationship with him. If he wanted people that would just do what he said, he could have made robots. But he didn't. He made us with a free will, with a choice. Because he wanted a real relationship with us. That's the difference between Christianity and religion. Religion actually means to bind up. Christianity, Jesus said, I came to give you life, a life abundant. Because it's not about the rules and so on, it's about the relationship. We talked about it last week, that the two greatest commands that Jesus gave is love God with all you've got and love each other. And the heart of that is communication. So how do we communicate effectively? Well, here's an interesting stat that someone came up with. I don't know how they came up with it, but someone came up with it. It says that a woman 
sorry, a guy will use about 12,000 words in a day. And he'll use those throughout his day. And usually by the time he gets home, he's outspoken. He's done. A woman, on the other hand, will use twice that number, about 24,000 words in a day. And she'll use most of them when she gets home. Now, whether it's true or not, obviously communication is important. And it's important to understand how we communicate. You see, for guys, we aim to use as few words as possible. If we can say something in three words, we usually will. They said looking at the preacher talking for 25, 30 minutes. <laughs> but we do. We use less words, you know. Um, you know, I get emails from people and <clears throat> they're like four pages long. It's like, that's not an email, that's a letter. <laughs> My emails are one line at the top. You know, you get this great big long story and it's like, you need to call so-and-so, they'll sort this for you. There's my response. Because that's how we operate. Guys, we think in, in shorter sentences, we have our moments where we talk in, you know, great detail, usually about football and how much Fremantle got flogged on the weekend. Look, I've probably got one week to get this out. Because <laughs> next week I ain't too hopeful. But, you know, we get to talk in great detail about Fremantle having no depth and not being able to handle top four teams. And that the Eagles are on top of the ladder with a percentage, you know, 100 points above anyone else. I told you, I get one week. <laughs> so we have our moments where we talk in great detail, but most times guys will use very few words. A woman, on the other hand, is sort of the opposite. Talking about sports, she usually uses a few words. And we're talking in great detail about everything else. Yeah, it's a bit like the story of Fred and Martha. You know, Fred's thinking in one word, yes, no, thanks, cool. Martha's got this great big story about a guy riding on a white horse coming to rescue her. And it's not that one's right and one's wrong. It's just that we're all wired differently. Because the idea is behind it in, in relationship and in love is that you work with someone who covers your weaknesses. That together you bring your strengths together, they cover each other's weaknesses and you become whole. And you become and achieve more than you ever could. That's why God made church. So we can come together because he realised that we all have a part of God in us. You know, he's gifted us all differently and wired us up all differently. And when we come together, we become whole. That's why he called us his bride. Because together, we are one whole match for Jesus. That's what the church is all about. And then we get on to teenagers. Communication with teenagers before 12 o'clock. Just don't worry about it. But after 12 o'clock, as I was sharing with the first service, they will like tell you like everything like, you know, you like. Like every second word is like, you know, like this is like how it is like. And you have to actually like decipher like which like is actually like. 
I want to know what happens when a teenager actually uses like in a sentence in its proper meaning. Does it still have significance? You know? Maybe this is why we say, well, I love this and I love that. It's because like's been taken up as a point to breathe in the sentence. And I hassle my kids about it because they all do it. Like all the time, like, you know. And this is where you go, this is really starting to, you know, the other thing that, that my kids love to do, and maybe it's a society thing, is you'll never guess what. You know, I walk in the door after work and they go, guess what, Dad? And they don't want you to guess. And I know this because I go, okay, hold on, let me think about this. Okay, where have you been today? You've been at school. Um, you made a new friend. Dad! Because they don't want me to guess, they want to tell me. And I'm like, well, why did you ask me to guess? Like, you know? But this is what life is like. It's full of miscommunication. It's full of the wrong message getting across, sometimes saying things we don't really mean. And our job is to try and understand other people and also to try and communicate as clear as we can. It's our job, guys, to try and understand our women and to be patient and to listen to what they have to say. Ladies, it's your job to understand you ain't getting any more because there isn't any more. They actually did studies and worked out that it's actually possible for a guy to think nothing. So when you say, what are you thinking about? And he says nothing, it's actually been proved by the University of Dakota, it's possible to think nothing. For a guy, anyway. I don't think it's possible for a girl. But for guys, it's possible to think nothing. So he really was thinking nothing. Oh, that or about his transmission in his car, either one, you know. But it's our job to understand that, that guys will communicate less. Females will naturally communicate more. And there's always exceptions to the rule, but that's generally how it works. And that a teenager doesn't say much for 12 o'clock, but they will use up every word they have for the next 12 hours. And about 7,000 of them will be like... And it's our job to be patient enough to listen to what is being said, to take the time to hear. Because when you do that, what you're saying is, you are valuable to me and I really love you. Is it frustrating? Absolutely. But that's a part of life, isn't it? That's what love is. Love is taking the time to make somebody else more important than you. It's treating somebody else as you want to be treated. And we all want to be heard when we talk. We all want to be valued and important. And that's the key to communication. And understand that sometimes we're going to get it wrong. Sometimes we are going to miscommunicate. But that's life. Let me give you a couple of tips on communication. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. You know, if I fold my arms and I really like preaching with you guys. 
How do you feel? 70% of how you communicate is your body language. You know, if I just stood here and spoke in monotones and said to you that 70% of what you communicate is body language and I'm really thrilled to be sharing with you this morning and hanging out with you and I can't wait to have a coffee later and to chat with you, you know. How do you feel? 70% of your communication is your body language. People will read that before they even hear a word you say. So how do you communicate to your spouse? You know, when they're talking to you, are you sitting there, you know? Yeah, that's really nice, honey. You know, I really appreciate that. It's fantastic, you know? I challenge our, our younger generation. Is that how you're communicating with everybody at work? But everybody else is doing it. So what? If that was the rule of thumb, then we'd all be in a big mess. Let me ask, how do you feel when somebody isn't listening to you and you're talking? When they're sitting on their phone or they're doing something else? You know what? You're allowed to put the phone away. You know I've discovered with things like Facebook and so on? If you go back half an hour later, the stuff is still there. Even an hour later, it's still there. I mean, that story I told you, that was like 45 minutes ago got sent to me, and it's still there. Isn't that exciting? Pay attention to somebody. Body language is everything when you're talking and when you're listening. Eye contact is important. Engage, sit on the end of your seat. Take an interest in what they're saying, even if you don't care. Because you know what? They care. And you care about them. You know, I have six kids. And so when number six comes in from pre-primary and produces the same bit of stuff that has been produced by the previous five children, I have an obligation as a father to still be enthusiastic about it. You're doing the letter S. Wow. Look at all those snakes across the page. Because that's what they do when they do the letter S. In the next two years, for Father's Day, I'm going to get a paper cutout tie about this long. <laughs> that he has carefully cut out with a piece of elastic around it. And you know what? Like I did with the previous five children, I'm going to enthusiastically receive that and put it on. And I may even wear it to church. Because it matters to him. He doesn't care that five children before him have all done the same thing. And you know what is really cool? Is I have all those ties hanging up in my closet. I don't wear them because they probably wear out within about 10 minutes, so, you know. But they're there and I have them. And I have in the bottom drawer all the things. I don't keep everything because it's not physically possible but I try and get at least a couple of things every year from each of my kids. They just remind me something special about them. 
Yeah, I'm not going to tell you the sex. But the other day, we all sat around in the lounge and Anna and Ivan came in and, you know, Anna's pregnant and they found out the sex of the baby. And they had this balloon and we had to pop the balloon and it's on this bit of paper. Yeah, we got video of it and it's really cool and we found out that, you know, the baby's going to be a giraffe. Because this child has very long legs. But, you know, they shared with us the sex of the baby. You know, and so I took that bit of paper and it's now in my bottom drawer. Because it's important to them. It's important to me too. But it's important to them. This is it. It's all about how you communicate, your body language. Engage in the moment. 20% is how you speak, the tone you use. If you talk in monosyllables, they don't think you're excited. I'm sorry. And only 10% of the words you speak. But let me encourage you that the words you speak make a difference. Tell your family that you love them. Tell them that they're important. You know, I found that in varying stages of, of life, especially with children, how they respond to how you tell them changes. When they're really young, you know, my five-year-old comes up and he goes to bed and he puts his arms around Dad and he says, Good night, I love you, Daddy. And you get this really tight squeeze. Then they get to about 14, 15, where they walk over, you get a peck on the head, Good night, go to bed, because they're hanging out to watch a movie or, you know, read a book or something else. But you know what I've discovered is they don't love me any less. Just the expression changes. Tell your kids, tell your family that you love them. Treat them as you want to be treated. Now, I got this wrong in the first service, so let me get it right. But basically, guys, be the kind of guy you want your daughters to marry and you want your sons to be. And girls, be the kind of girl you want your daughters to be and your sons to marry. Is that right? I thought I'd say it with more emotion, but I had to get it right because I got it very wrong in the first service and had women being the son, people their sons should be and things like this. But it is. But it doesn't just work with, you know, I mean, in, in my job uh, during the week, I, I have a, um, well, she just turned 19 today, so there you go. I got a 19-year-old girl that works for me. And she comes from a really messed up family. And so part of my role, whether I like it or not, is to be a bit of a father figure with her. And so to model to her positive relationships, encouraging relationships, to be able to, to just, you know, put into her life because nobody else is going to. And she's an awesome kid. She'll do great things. You know, she's in a relationship with a guy. And she just doesn't know how to handle that relationship because she hasn't had a good role model in her life that is a male. And that's our responsibility as Christians is to be a light in the world, to be that model. We're not going to be perfect. We're going to get it wrong sometimes. Sometimes we get it wrong a lot of times. But it's about seeking to be God's love with those around us. Be yourself 
but be how you really are. You know, love is very forgiving. Love treats other people as you want to be treated. I could look at this girl and go, oh, she's a bit messed up and she's got problems and, oh, well, she has good work, that's fine, we'll keep her off of that and I'll just keep her personal life out of it. You can't do that. It doesn't work like that. Someone's personal life affects their working life. It affects every part of their life. And so I treat her as I would want someone to treat my children if they had a boss. I treat her, we treat her with compassion and we treat her with love. I mean, she's a great worker, but we're teaching her more about not just to do her job, we're teaching her about relationships, about healthy relationships, about having boundaries about how to express love in appropriate ways. Because we're called to be that light. There's a true story about a lady who goes to see a psychologist and she says, I'm really upset with my husband. He's he's a real loser. I've had enough. He doesn't treat me right. I want to leave him, but I want to hurt him when I leave him. I don't want to just walk out and him go, oh, well, she's gone. I want to really inflict pain on him. Says the psychologist, show me how can I how can I really hurt him before I leave? The psychologist says to her, Listen, the way you do that is for 30 days, you treat him like a king. You, you dote on him, you you put, you know, you do everything for him, you cook his favorite meals, you you go where he wants to go, you know, put the sport on the TV and sit him down there with a the nachos, chips, and a hamburger, you know, and a couple of beers and you know, dress up to the nines and look fantastic and massage his feet. I'm just dropping hints here. And, um, you know. <laughs> it's increasing the first session. <laughs> you know, buy him a big screen TV and, no, sorry. <laughs> he needs a new car. No. <laughs> Father's Day's coming. Mother's Day's before it. So he says, no, just really dote on him and look out for him. For 30 days, do that. Don't complain. Don't get upset. Don't anything. Just do that. And at the end of 30 days, just pack your bags and walk out the door. And he'll be devastated. He'll be just be like, what happened? Because he's, you know, if we get so into you, then he'll be gone. About three months later, the psychologist was at a party and this lady was there. And he went over and said, so, so did it work? Did you really devastate him? She goes, oh, no, 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 no. You got it all wrong. She says, I started doing that for him. I started really looking out for him, making his meals and, you know, dressing up real nice when he came home and, you know, really doting on him. She says, after about two weeks, he started doing the same for me. He, he started looking out for me and, and taking me places and, and you know, bought me some, you know, vouchers for new clothes and, and he was, she says, we're more in love than we've ever been all our lives. Because that's what love does. When you treat somebody like they don't deserve to be treated, that's real love. When you don't feel like it and you feel like you don't want to and yet you step in and choose to do it anyway, it's an act of your will. That's real love. You want to change somebody's life? 
you want to have real love in your life, you want to have good relationships, then you have to choose to love. Love somebody as you would, they want to be loved. It's the important thing too. It's not just how you want to. You know, you may be going, well, I'm into shopping, so I'll love my husband by taking him shopping. <laughs> he ain't going to feel the love unless you're going to the AFL store. You know, or you're chasing a new big screen TV or something. But it's the same, guys, you know. Oh, I love my wife, so, you know, we'll, we'll sit down and watch the football together and I'll make the snacks. <laughs> my mother-in-law's down here going, that sounds good to me. <laughs> Where were you yesterday watching the footy? <laughs> it's about, okay, how can I love on them? You know, guys, it is going shopping with your lady. Take her shopping. And don't just sit outside. Go into the shop with her. And then pay for it. You know, one of my things I like doing is, because I'm with the RAC, with the RAC, you can get discount vouchers. So I love jumping on there occasionally. And you can get vouchers to Maya for about 5% discount. So I will buy a voucher. And then when I hear my wife's going shopping, I just have them there. She doesn't know this. Just told my secret. Shh. But I did this on Friday. Friday morning, she says, oh, look, you know, I'm taking Anna. We're going to go, go out shopping for the morning and so on. I said, cool. By the way, where are you going? Oh, I might go to Carousel or somewhere here. Cool, I got a Myers. Good time to pull out the voucher, which I'd pre-ordered arrived in the mail. Here, go shopping. That's love. It's about what makes a difference in your life. That's real love. It's not about your feeling. It's a choice and act of your will. It's about sacrificing yourself and putting yourself aside for the good of somebody else. Because that's what Jesus did, didn't he? You know, the Father gave us Jesus when we didn't deserve him. We were in our sin. He gave us Jesus. And Jesus gave his all, and it was love. This Christian walk, us meeting together as a church, being a family together, you and your families, it's not about how you feel. It's about what you choose. Let's choose love. Let's make a choice this week to go out and make a difference in somebody's life by loving them how they want to be loved. You can change a life. Cook someone a meal. Take someone shopping. Call up somebody you wouldn't normally call up and you know that no one else probably calls them either. And change their world. And let love be real. Next week, we're going to discover more about ourselves, how love really works. You don't want to miss Dale's preaching. You don't want to miss what she has to say. So I encourage you to make sure you're here next week. Um, we're going to take the offering up now before I forget, which I did in the first service.
Thanks, Jade. I know most of us give electronically and so on, but if you don't and you want to be able to give into the church as part of our expression of love, then um, now's your chance to do that. Following the service, great coffee again. I'm looking forward to having a cup. I haven't had one this morning, so I'm, well, I had one very early this morning, so I'm hanging out for my second coffee. It's a good one. Call, grab a muffin, hang around, say hello. And don't forget, next week, 10 o'clock, we're all going to come together as one big family and start celebrating a little more. Um, my wife's holding things up there. I can't see it. Uh, connect form, yeah. Fill out your connect cards. You can hand in the thing. If you're on the back of the connect cards, if you want to get involved in what we do as a church and things, and you're thinking, how can I help out? On the back of it, it's got a whole lot of areas that you can, you know, either talk to somebody or just circle them and chuck them in at the Welcome Centre and just say, look, I'd love to help out with maybe set up, pack up, maybe you'd like to learn how to do sound. We're looking for someone who can be an expert sound mixer. Um, There's a course coming up soon. You know, maybe you're into kids or missions or whatever it is. There's a whole list of things there and there's even more. Just mark it off, chuck it in the box and um, we'll give you a call and happily have you assisting Um, Because it's about loving each other and serving each other, yeah? Bless you. Are we taking up the offering? Yep. Cool. Let's pray. I know what's going on, really. I just pretend. Father, we thank you. You're an awesome God. We thank you that you do love us so much. We thank you, Father, that you gave us Jesus to die for us, that we might have abundant life in you. Thank you that we can meet together freely and worship you and love on you and love on each other. Father, we just pray because you need to build your church, build your kingdom, build us to be all that you made us to be, that you are glorified through us. Lord, I bless you and I bless every person here. In the name of Jesus, amen.